Hey, homies, this is Sarah. And this is Ashley. And this is Hometown Homicide. And this is Coco in Heat. periodically you might hear uh coco chirp or purr or chatter any news i felt like there was something i wanted to bring up and now i don't remember fresh new murder last night in cedar rapids yeah northeast side yep actually it's like right next to my co-worker's place she said that it's caution tape and shit yeah yeah if it's still there this morning someone is dead they've already put them well they posted it he's james siegel 42 arrested for first degree murder he's already on lynn county inmates they already said the victim's name and his name James Siegel. That name he's got a familiar. mustache i guess he's a mayor mail carrier whoa mail carrier today's episode is brought to you by truly margarita style <laughs> the truly's the iced teas are actually pretty decent they're not bad i was looking for the as far as seltzers ones. are they're decent I have been looking for the poolside ones that Lauren... I don't know what that is. I don't know. They're called poolside. Well, I mean, yeah, but, but they're like, I don't... Lauren rated one 11 out of a 10. Oh. You know, the one that you the sent chick me. On, yeah. yeah. Huh. Interesting. Right? Uh, James Siegel. It just sounds... Oh, yeah. The comments were crazy. Jason, whatever you said. And then... It was Ty something, and I apologize if I don't know his name, but um, huh. condolences to his friends and family. Yeah, and no kidding. No idea what it was about. It was 9 p.m. Shot him, and he was already arrested. Uh, not true crime, but what was his name? Kevin Ward? Is that it? Keith. Kevin? I don't know. Um, one of the main guys from the movie Tremors a million years ago with Kevin Bacon. Oh, yeah. The, the other guy, Warm. he died. Yeah. Graboids. Yeah. What'd you have to yeah, say? I was trying to describe Tremors oh, yeah? at work today to my coworkers who are all way younger than me, and I'm like, you guys suck. I hate you. Have you watched Candy yet on Hulu? No, I forgot that was it's coming good. out. Very good. Because I have active Netflix at the moment. I don't have Hulu right now, which I need to switch over anyway because Hulu's they're doing more... Better. Well, but I'd switch off and on just depending on what I'm, I'm watching. They're coming out with more American Horror Stories. Yep. So I was like, oh, I'm going to have to switch over. Um, otherwise, yeah, I don't know. I don't think there's anything cray-cray. Um, I think there was something else, but I forgot. Still have a job. Mm, so do I, but that wasn't a question. <laughs> well, Tuesday I didn't think I was going to have a job. <laughs> and I had TikToks already planned for the rest of, like, if I was part of the 2,500 of the people getting laid off, I already had TikToks planned. <laughs> and it's like, well, better not do that. Better not. Better not. Better not. Uh, also not true crime, but something else. So I mentioned my friend Brent before. Yes. With the gore galore. The first movie he got asked to be part of and then it got kind of postponed and postponed because it's been a couple of years but that finally got released the premiere was last weekend i went over to byron illinois and was one of the smattering of people that got to see it ahead of time and then it was released it's out on youtube cool was it good um, it was good i mean it's fan film so it's not like it was crazy budget or anything but it was it was neat and knowing that that's him behind the mask yeah. doing the kills and stuff it was pretty cool um 
and he like brought his talent with the special effects in and oh cool and there's there's some neat stuff it's it's a short movie because again fan film is 52 minutes i think it was but um the fall of camp blood is the name of it just in case anybody wants to check that out I think that was the only other thing recently. My lilac bushes are small but blooming, and I'm so excited. We went from, in Iowa, like 50 degree average to straight up 90 degrees in a day. Yes, it's been wicked hot all week. And humid. What, the wicked thing? Yeah. It's like Boston. Yeah. It's like very Boston. Yeah, I threw on an accent for that one. Anyways. Um, This is a story out of Ohio about two would-be mothers, a web of deceit, and the one child to make it out alive. Once upon a time in Ravenna, Ohio, a city of around 12,000 people that lies about 30 miles southeast of Cleveland and 15 miles east of Akron, lived two happy couples. One of those couples was Teresa Andrews and her husband, Jonathan. Teresa and John were sweethearts since childhood. In June of 2000, they found a home to call their own in a great little picturesque neighborhood with tree-lined streets, and while it needed a few updates and repairs here and there, it was the perfect place to start their family. You could even see the police station from their home, and overall, the community just felt safe. Teresa and John were married four years by the time they were expecting their first child. After experiencing one miscarriage, they were over the moon for baby boy Andrews to join them in early October of 2000. Teresa was due on October 4th, and in the months prior, they had been busy getting baby supplies, painting the nursery, and trying to agree on a name for their son. John was a fan of Remington, or Remy for short, while Teresa was envisioning the name Oscar for baby boy Andrews. They did agree that they both liked the name Gavin, but that they'd just have to wait for him to arrive to decide which name was best suited for him. Just a few weeks before the due date, the 23-year-old's Teresa and John took a trip to the local Walmart to pick up a baby item that they called about, a little baby bathtub. While in the baby department, they met Michelle and Thomas Bica, the other happy and expecting couple of this story. Michelle and Thomas Bica don't have a cute sweetheart story like Teresa and John. Rather, they met in 1994 while Tom was working as a correctional officer. Michelle met Tom through a mutual acquaintance of some sort, which was supposedly before... She served time for receiving stolen property. You see, Michelle had stolen thousands of dollars from Allen Aircraft Incorporated, where she had been working in accounting. She ended up pleading to a lesser charge, and she spent six months in custody awaiting trial, and then she received a suspended 18-month sentence with five years of probation in order to continue counseling at Portage Path Community Mental Health Center. Michelle and Tom married in December of 1997, then moved into Michelle's old family home, the home that brought them just a few blocks from where the Andrews would find their perfect starter home. Michelle was 39 years old when she revealed to her husband, family, and friends that she was pregnant. The overjoyed couple started preparing a nursery, gathering baby supplies, and installing baby monitors. Michelle had also reportedly suffered a miscarriage prior to this pregnancy. This time, things seemed to be going well, though, as Michelle started wearing maternity clothes, showing a sonogram, and attending birthing classes. They had even met with their priest about the eventual christening and rented a hall for the celebration. It was a tad strange that her due date got pushed forward a couple times, 
but otherwise it was a happy time for the bikers. In Walmart, Michelle and Tom introduced themselves to the Andrews, and they mentioned how they had seen the Andrews around their neighborhood before. As it turns out, they lived a mere few blocks away from each other. While Teresa and John were having a boy, the bikers revealed they were having a little girl in a couple months. After some small talk about the number and cost of baby items and the excitement of expecting, it was also mentioned that the Andrews were looking to sell their Jeep. Michelle said she was interested and would possibly inquire about the vehicle later. Later came. On the morning of September 27th, 2000, Teresa received a call from a woman asking about the 1999 Jeep Ranger they had for sale. Teresa contacted John at work at 9 a.m. to let him know someone was interested in the vehicle. John cautioned Teresa to be careful, even telling her to get the other person's driver's license and the keys to their vehicle before letting the woman take the Jeep out for a test drive. John has stated that Teresa laughed and told him not to worry, that she wouldn't do anything stupid. When John called home a little later to ask how the meeting went, there was no answer. Teresa had mentioned she might run some errands after the meet, so he thought perhaps that's what she was doing, or even just taking a well-deserved nap at nine months pregnant. He repeatedly tried to contact Teresa throughout the day, but never made a connection. Before John could even arrive home after work, he knew something was wrong. One thought he had was that Teresa had gone into labor, as they had already had a labor scare about a week prior. But she had a cell phone, why wouldn't she have called him, or had someone at the hospital call him? No, it, it had to be something much worse. When John got home at 4.30, he found the front door open, and both his wife and the Jeep missing. There were no signs of a struggle, and Teresa's purse, cell phone, and shoes were all still in the kitchen. Saying that her shoes were still in the home might seem strange, but Teresa was nine months pregnant. Apparently, the only pair of shoes that still fit her very swollen feet were still there, and she wasn't one to run around barefoot, so it makes sense that this bit of information was mentioned and explained multiple times. I can't go barefoot. I love being barefoot. I don't, Mm -mm. I I would rather be barefoot all of the time. Shoes are prisons for the feet and socks are the jumpsuits. But yeah, her feet at that point wouldn't fit into anything else except one pair of shoes. Air conditioner kicked down. It's all basically 90 degrees outside. Yeah. And third floor. Yeah. Obviously, the police were called. They proposed that maybe she had left on her own. But the purse, cell phone, and shoes left behind negated that theory. I mean, she's nine months pregnant. She's not going to leave on her own. Right. I hate that. Oh, she left on her own. She did not. At least they didn't try to argue that theory. They just tried to present it as a theory. Mm. Um, Sure. I'm just saying. Teresa was also battling an infection of some sort that required medication. And if not taken, it could endanger the baby at birth. The likelihood that she left with no money, no phone, and no shoes, and endangering the baby was just not possible. Police found the Andrews' Jeep in a couple hours, just a couple streets away from their home. The vehicle was unlocked, and the keys were missing. This spelled disaster to John. His thoughts were that if someone didn't take Teresa to also take the Jeep, then what did they really want? His conclusion was that whomever took Teresa wanted their baby. John was quoted in one interview saying, I believed whoever had taken her would wait until the baby was born and then let Teresa go. I never thought I wouldn't see her again. Teresa's parents, 
brother, and sister-in-law were on vacation the day she disappeared. Teresa and John had decided not to join them on vacation, as she was so incredibly pregnant, and they would have been about 11 hours from home. Her family considered postponing the vacation, but Teresa assured her parents that everything would be fine and to go and enjoy themselves. Her doctor also believed that she would carry to full term, and since her due date was still a couple weeks away, there would be no harm in her family going. When they got the news that Teresa was missing, though, they all packed up and immediately headed home to be with John and help with the search. In the few following days, the community really pulled together, showing what a truly great place Ravenna was. Office supply businesses donated paper and printing for free to make missing flyers, and hundreds of volunteers searched for Teresa in surrounding fields and woods and distributed the flyers around nearby neighborhoods, while others donated money or even just their time to spend with John so he wasn't alone. In the meantime, the authorities were, amongst other things, tracing the call placed about the Jeep. Since this was the year 2000, technology wasn't as fast, so it took them a few days to trace the caller back to Michelle Bica. Michelle, who had coincidentally called her husband at work on September 27th as well. But this call was to tell him that he was a father. Michelle recounted that she had gone into labor that morning, that she had called her doctor, and the doctor was the one who ordered the ambulance sent out to her. She gave birth to a healthy baby boy. But the they bikas, were having a girl. The bikas had been expecting a baby girl in December, but a couple weeks prior to this, she explained to her husband that a mistake had been made while looking at the sonogram, and in fact, she was pregnant with a boy. Hmm. And she was sent home from the hospital with the baby that same day due to a... Pater- <laughs> <laughs> from the hospital with the baby that same day due to a tuberculosis scare at the hospital. Tom, the happy but a bit naive new father, was thrilled to hear the news. They named the baby Michael Thomas Spica, or Mikey for short. Michelle and Tom told family and friends of Michael's arrival, welcoming in visitors for congratulations and viewings of the new baby boy. During this time, Tom was described as a typical new dad who was elated about the baby and passing out cigars, but Michelle was described a bit differently. To some, while she was passing the baby round, she seemed a bit distant or even depressed, which we all know postpartum depression is a real thing, so that's maybe not too weird. But she even mentioned to some people that she wasn't going to display the new baby flag they had. Um out in front of their home as previously planned, out of respect for the Andrews and what they were going through. Something strange was noticed by neighbors at this time. Mm, Suspicious. Mm -hmm. Did they see the red flags? (laughs) The day after Michelle welcomed baby Mikey into her world, she had ordered and received four ton of gravel for the driveway and previously dirt floor garage. What was strange is that Michelle herself was out raking and spreading the gravel. Michelle, who kept an impeccable home by all accounts, but whom also didn't do the yard work. That was Tom's job. Why on earth would this woman, who had just gone into birthing labor one day, be outside doing manual labor the next? I'm going to guess she wasn't pregnant. Five days after Teresa's disappearance on October 2nd, the police discovered the call made to Teresa was traced back to a cell phone owned by the Bikas. And since it was a woman that made the call that Teresa told John, they then went to the biker's home to interview Michelle. She said she had indeed talked to Teresa and looked at the Jeep, but had no idea what happened to the younger pregnant woman. Michelle wouldn't let police inside the home, and overall things didn't sit 
quite right with authorities. After checking with the hospital and confirming that Michelle had not actually been admitted to give birth and no tuberculosis scare had occurred, the police decided they needed to go back to talk to Michelle again. Authorities had just arrived back at the Bikas home at approximately 9 p.m., just four hours after their initial visit, and as they were exiting their vehicles, they heard a sound that every cop knows, a single gunshot. The sound came from within the home and was swiftly followed by a man screaming Michelle's name. Michelle Bica had locked herself in the master bedroom of her and Tom's home, put the barrel of their 22 caliber handgun in her mouth, and pulled the trigger. Oh my. Mikey was sound asleep in his crib in the next room, surrounded by teddy bears and other stuffed animals. And if you haven't guessed by now, baby Mikey was, in fact, not Michelle and Tom's baby. When Michelle called Teresa about the Jeep on the morning of September 27th, 2000, I imagine it was to see if Teresa was home, if she was alone, and to make sure it was going to stay that way for a little while. It's presumed that Michelle came over and kidnapped the very pregnant Teresa, which makes sense given what was left behind in the Andrews home. It was determined that Teresa was knocked unconscious inside the laundry room of the Bica's home, and then she was shot in the back by Michelle Bica with the same gun that she later killed herself with. Death was immediate, according to sources. Michelle then turned the young murdered mother over and administered a crude but somehow successful cesarean section to remove the baby. Michelle then dragged poor Teresa across a small section of yard. Some places said 10 feet, some said 18 feet, but a little bit across the yard into the detached garage and buried her body in a shallow grave in the dirt floor of said garage. Clearly, at some point, she moved the Andrews Jeep as the Jeep's keys were later recovered from inside Michelle's purse. She cleaned herself up. (laughs) She cleaned up herself, the baby, and the blood. Authorities said this took her all of only six hours before Michelle called her husband with the story of giving birth. She had been lying to everyone for months, and somehow she pulled off being pregnant. How do you do that? Well, she was a heavy set woman. Okay. I, I'm assuming you more so is a rhetorical question for you, not like how, but like morally how. Right. I, I, and I, I just don't like, know. how do you, but your husband, how do you. Right. Well, I know. She was a heavy set woman, so it was easy to believe or hard to prove otherwise that she was in fact pregnant. Like I mentioned before, her and Tom got a nursery ready. She had a baby shower. She had people feel her belly. And some people said they even thought they really felt a kick. Michelle was determined to have a baby in her life and unfortunately found a way to do that after meeting the Andrews while shopping in the baby department. Her husband, Tom, was a kind man, but not the sharpest knife in the drawer. (laughs) It's true. He was in love and he was excited to be a dad. I'm sure that partly clouded his senses and this poor fellow just wanted a happy life and family in one work evaluation tom was described as quote out of touch with commonsensical type of behavior he truly loved his wife and really believed she was pregnant in one article i read it stated that he wouldn't be going to his wife's funeral and that like that just hurts my heart i mean obviously she was a bad person had some issues and did some fucked up shit but uh, can you imagine being him your whole world turned upside down in the blink of an eye yeah you're enjoying your life or enjoying the life you always dreamt of just to have it all ripped away in an instant you know he had a wife and a new baby 
and and then all of a sudden it's all gone. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the other guy too, his wife. And, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm assuming he got the baby back, but mm-hmm. his wife's gone because and, of this lady, right? And the one other sentence about Tom is just that I said I hope he's doing well wherever he is. As for John and the baby, John received a call from the police just the day before what should have been his wife's due date. He was told that a woman in the neighborhood had killed herself and a new baby was found in the home. When he was given the description of the woman, he realized it was the lady he and Teresa had met and chatted with that day in Walmart. Reports following Michelle's suicide said that the baby, you know, at that time, a couple days later, was a healthy eight pounds, nine ounces, and that the required paternity tests did confirm that he was John and Teresa's stolen boy. A boy who, when John first laid eyes on him, was immediately named Oscar. Oscar Gavin Andrews. John said it was just the right name for him. John was quoted as saying, he opened his eyes, looked straight at me, and smiled. He definitely knew I was his daddy. I wept with joy, but I also wept with sadness. I've gone through every emotion imaginable from from grief to terrific happiness. And he also said, I'm glad the lady killed herself. It gives me closure, and it means I don't have to face her in court or live in terror that she might come after us again. In the articles I found, neither husband could bring themselves to return to the respective homes they had shared with their wives. There were too many memories that caused too much pain. After Oscar's recovery, the support he and his family received was overwhelming. Grocery stores sent food and typical household supplies, and many community members donated clothing, diapers, formula, toys, etc. for the new baby. The family received so much, in fact, that the overflow was donated to the maternity ward at the local hospital. The story had also become a bit of a media sensation. John, Oscar, and their family were sent around 5,000 cards from people around the world, offering well wishes and hope including a card from President Bill Clinton, who was in office at the time. Teresa Andrews' funeral services were attended by nearly 2,000 people, some of them members of a local church that the family belonged to, hundreds of people that helped in Teresa's search, both police and civilians, the town mayor, and others just because of the genuine love of community from the Ravenna area. Her funeral was held in a local high school auditorium, which maxed out at capacity of 1,400 people. Mourners that couldn't fit in the auditorium stood outside in the cold rain, huddled under umbrellas, listening to the service that was played through speakers that had been set up. It was also broadcast over the internet, which for 2000 Mm -hmm. was pretty on it. Um, it took close to three hours for the line of hundreds that wanted to personally express their condolences to file through, um, hugging or shaking hands with the family. The luncheon that followed had around 300 in attendance, and the food was provided at no cost thanks to a local hotel. In conclusion, I'll read an excerpt from one of the articles I found, as any rewording wouldn't do it justice. This is quoting John. I haven't gone back to work yet. It is all too early. I don't think I want to be full-time anymore as I want to spend as much time with my son. He's a very special little boy. And then so special, in fact, that the family decided he should have... God damn it. That he should have two birthdays a year. Vicky, who was Teresa's mother, said, There's the day he was born, September 27th. 
and October 3rd, the day we call Gotcha Day because we got him back. He'll have two cakes and it'll be a celebration of his mother's life as well as his own. I know. And I, I didn't try to dig too terribly hard, but I did try to see if I could find anything about Oscar now. Because he would be 22. 20, almost 22. 20, yeah. Jeez. When I did that math, I'm like, shit, he's like a whole person now. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, I, I tried to cry. Uh, I tried to look a little bit, but I didn't want to dig too terribly hard. But yeah, that was. Uh, I had seen different like SBU or other yeah. crime shows that had something like this. Yeah. And there's uh, one article I found from when this all happened said that like baby snatching like that happens like twelve to eighteen times a year. Um, I was watching. My worst nightmare or something. I think it's on Discovery Plus, mm. and it it was a young mom, mm. a single mom, and someone said they had clothes, baby clothes for her, and the whole th- they snapped like they took her, and yeah. they were gonna take the baby, and that mom she, fought her off or something. Yeah, didn't she. Yeah, well, her the person who was gonna take the baby, her friend actually called nine one one because she was like, I'm this is definitely not what she had told me. I've seen... So she turned in... But she also got prison time. They both did. I mean, all of the stories we do are like, how the fuck can someone manage to do that to somebody? But you're going to kill someone and cut their baby out? And she's... Like, you have issues. Well, I mean, yes. But she's lucky she didn't fucking hurt that baby. Right. Like, even some of the experts in the articles I read said that it's not, you know, obviously easy to cut through all the muscle and everything and he was like just fine fire truck so we have the air conditioning going we have you screaming now we have fire trucks going by we have the neighbors slamming doors because they're inconsiderate cunts like what is going on (laughs) and when i when i put pictures up that woman looked like a fucking toad like she's they usually do she just i mean uh, yes, that's rude of me to say speak ill of the dead, but like she just, of course they're not flattering pictures. The one I'm sure is probably her mugshot from the embezzlement or whatever. Mm. So mugshots usually aren't the greatest, but it's like, ugh, of course. Um, so I know last week I did the Michelle Martinko and yeah. Jerry Burns is an animosa. I had to go there this week. Yeah, I gave well, the bird did. as I, I just... drove by. Like, <laughs> bye, bitch. Wait, what's today? The 14th? Okay, yeah. Yesterday was Friday the 13th. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Oh, I was just thinking, what day is this going to come out on? But it's going to come out on the 16th. Because the 18th will be, forgive me, Dale's, the 27th. On the 18th. Mm-hmm. Anniversary of his disappearance. So Bob Dale, I, um, yes. not look forward to is the wrong wordage, but just to see if they have any updates when they post or whatever. I was going to reach out to them. We'll probably post something about, you know, repost this flyer mm-hmm. or whatever, but... Uh, yeah, hopefully no one had a bad Friday the 13th then, since that has passed. So yeah, staying cool, stay hydrated, use your turn signal when Get driving, your... you know, just yeah, overall. Yeah, that'd be nice. I don't know, it just popped in my head. Don't Let's walk like, in front of do... people when they're driving as well, because people on this side of town like to do that. Yes, they do. Mm. That's why I can't wait to get away from this side. Um, get your pet spayed and neutered. Mm, yep, yep. Because yep. this is annoying. 
say please and thank you? Literally had one week, Coco. <laughs> one week and this is all over with. Uh, social media is oh. Hometown Homicide Podcast on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, uh, Patreon. She's taking pictures of shit. Um, all of the things except Twitter and Twitter's Ope Murder. So, And thank you to who found us on um, TikTok and left the awesome comment. Yeah, she sent me a screenshot of it, and it was it was delightful. And soon, I'm thinking of a way to do this, um, a giveaway for an exclusive, only me and Sarah have the shirt right now, you'll be the third person. Mm-hmm. Um, if you leave a review on Facebook, um, five-star review, you'll be entered into a drawing. Sure. And we're going to let you know when the deadline is. I have to think of something. Yeah. But I think that's great. Remember, we want to tell stories to you. Not about you. So stay safe. And this was Hometown Homicide.